Welcome to the Engineering Room. This is a series of longer form conversational style chats with influential people from the world of software development and is meant to complement uh, our more regular channel content on the Continuous Delivery Channel. This series is sponsored by Equal Experts, for which I thank them. Equal Experts is a product software development consultancy with a network of over a thousand experienced technology consultants globally. They increase the pace of innovation by using modern software engineering practices that embrace continuous delivery, security and operability, and a lot of other ideas that we regularly discuss on this channel. So do check their links out in the description below. Today's guest is Brian Finster. Um, actually, Brian and I have never met in person, uh, but we've become friends during the pandemic. Uh, I met Brian via his work uh, at Walmart and the dojo that he and others helped to establish there. Brian was a driving force behind Walmart, Walmart's successful adoption of continuous delivery at considerable scale and all that you can imagine that that entails. Since then, I've come to recognize Brian as a passionate advocate for, and practitioner for continuous delivery. So, so he's definitely in my good books. Um, as I said, Brian founded and led Walmart's DevOps Dojo, which used immersive learning to help teams solve the problems of continuous delivery. He now works for a consultancy called Defense Unicorns, who specialize in helping the US Department of Defense improve their software development practices. With, con with continuous delivery. Brian's currently working with the US Air Force, where he's helping them to transform Platform One into a scalable software delivery platform for the US Department of Defense. Brian's also a frequent writer, speaker, and evangelist for everything related to improving the flow of value delivery. And his stuff is always quirky and interesting. So I do recommend his blog sites. A recent blog post compared conversations about continuous delivery with conversations about flying cars uh, with someone who's never seen anyone fly anything. So welcome, Brian. And thank you very much for agreeing to give us the benefit of your experience and expertise today. Oh, thanks for having me, Dave. I'm, I'm deeply honored. I, I'll say that your book, Continuous Delivery, was a pivotal in my career. Uh, and it's 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 uh, it changed everything about what I was doing. Well, thank you. Uh, so 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 let's uh, maybe that the, your recent blog post is a good jumping off point. Mm. Um, flying cars. <laughs> Why flying cars? There's a few quotes for, that, that I'll, I will throw at you from 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 the article that, that I picked up. Continuous delivery can be a frustrating topic. It made us love development again. Uh, for the first time, I was able to witness an example where reputation understated reality. Yeah. So, uh, you know, CD is one of those things where if you've never seen it done, uh, it's very difficult to believe that it's true. And, you know, trying to communicate to people, get them over that hump is very difficult. And I had the opportunity to to visit a uh, an organization where um, they do cd uh, uh, without ever talking about it i mean it's it was just amazing you walk in and everything that you would think this is what a high performing organization this is how they'd work they do uh and they don't ever talk about it because it's like fish disgusting water i mean you don't you know it's just a thing and it, it kind of inspired me to to write this post you know where when you're trying to talk to people about continuous delivery and get them over that first understanding it's like talking to people about flying cars uh when they've never seen anything fly at all other than birds they don't think that flight's possible 
and you're saying, but flying cars, we could do so much. And then you go to another country where flying cars are just ubiquitous. They're boring. They don't talk about them. It's just a commodity that they have that they allows them to, to do things much better. And that was literally the experience. I spent, you know, a week there interviewing engineers and, and how they work. And I was jealous. I was so very jealous. <laughs> It, it it is it is a surprising um, challenge, and I and I I think you and I both um, recognize the the, the 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 same problem of, you know, we're both believers. We 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 know this stuff works. We've done this in difficult circumstances, and as you say, people find it hard to imagine who haven't seen it that it's even possible let alone in challenging circumstances on, on big scales with technical demands and so on. I don't even have to be a believer because I have evidence. Yes. I mean, I'm, I'm an engineer. I work off of evidence. And, uh, you know, when we first started piloting uh, CD in, in logistics at Walmart with a few, a few teams, uh, I was, you know, I never talk about things I don't do. I only talk about my experiences. Uh, I'm not a theoretician on this stuff. And so when I'm talking about it makes our, it made us love development again, it's because I was on that team when yeah. we were trying to figure out how to do CD and uh, the unexpected outcome was just the uh, overall improvement of morale on the team. And then later when we were running teams to the dojo and helping them solve these problems, it was the universal outcome of those teams had higher morale and delivered better. And then, you know, Accelerate came out and they talked about the same thing. And yeah. so it's, it's just the reality that CD allows us to, to deliver better value and be happier while we do it. Yes, we, absolutely. Real CD. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Real CD. <laughs> yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll get, we'll get to that for sure. But, <laughs> but, but that's, uh, but, but I, absolutely. And I, I uh, one of the things that I've heard you say several times or write several times is that matches my own experience again is i've yet to see any organization that practice real continuous delivery that would ever choose to go back to working any other way yeah uh, I, I i i it's it uh, <laughs> we were joking beforehand it's a bit like it is okay to stop punching yourself in the face <laughs> and so and so you know, at that point you know and that point you know, when you don't have to punch yourself in the face anymore, we can we can, we can start we, we can start worrying about it and 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 just focus on the stuff that probably fired us both up in the beginning and and why we do what we do because we love it. When, well, when you spend fifteen years in pain and then develop in a way that's not painful anymore, you're like, wow, that was fifteen years of just wasted time that could have been. Yeah, yeah. How do we help everybody else not waste that time? It's it's one of the things that, that's interesting, as as you say, we have the data, and and one of the things that kind of surprised me in a way, but didn't, when people started adopting continuous delivery more widely, was that that kind of you know more personal response. So 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 you know, the, the impact on pe people's morale and motivation, and just their sense of kind of work life balance. All of those sorts of things, which are which have been studied now, so the studies at Microsoft say, you know, it improves people's work-life balance and and all of these kinds of things. So, yeah. so it's 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 not just about the technicalities, but also about the way that we, you know we as human beings are able to engage with this 
interesting, difficult, challenging you know, subject of being able to build great software, you know, at some scale very often. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I, and, uh, but you touch on something there that it's about us being able to focus on the mission of what we're doing, you know, and be engaged yeah. in the problem we're solving. Uh, and a, a common piece of pushback I get from people who aren't doing this, who are developers, is it sounds like a grind. <laughs> yes. And, you know, it's like, okay, well, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it could sound that way, but that's not the reality. I mean, we're just no. making changes and getting rapid feedback. That's much less of a grind than staying, staying awake for three days trying to fix things, you know, yes. which I've done. Yeah, and, 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 and just the stress of being frightened of changing your code base. Yes. Yeah. You know, I, that's gone for me. I, I don't have that fear anymore. <laughs> no, I, I, I just push, and if it breaks, I just push yeah. something else, you know. Yes. Well, one, one, of the, one of the other things that you mentioned in that article that we're referring to about the flying cars was an idea that I kind of liked on it. And I wondered if you'd like to explain is the mission mindset execution. Yeah, I, that, that's the other thing that really I admired about that organization. As you walked in the building, you knew exactly what their mission was. If you talked to the people at the coffee bar, they knew exactly what their mission was. Everybody was entirely mission focused. Uh, they weren't focused on Oh, you know, should I use React or some, you know, what's the newest, latest, greatest framework or, or toy I can play with as we're solving this mission. Everybody agreed it was an important mission. Yeah. Uh, you know, my wife, Dana, who's also a developer, also focuses on CD. We talk together about this topic quite a bit, uh, you know, to other people and to each other. Um, but we were talking about how you know, if you if you don't have that that mission focus, it all it, it can all just fall apart. Yeah. Right. That how critical it is that we're that we're all aligned on that mission and believe in it, and that don't screw up isn't a mission. Zero yeah. defects isn't a mission. Right. We need yeah. something that inspires us as a mission, uh, and and they have an inspirational mission, and everybody believes on it. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. One more, one more quote that from your article from there. Flying cars are real and boring there. No one talks about them. They just use them to beat everyone else in their business space. Yep. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> it's just a commodity tool that they have and they never discuss it. They just do it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. It's a, it's a fantastic story. And um one day, I, 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 I hope that we can kind of talk about this in more detail uh, with, 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 you know, with permission about what's going on, but fantastic stuff. Yeah, that'd be nice. It's uh, NDAs make um, sharing yeah. hard. <laughs> yeah, I quite understand. You, you steered a nice course. Um, so so, so the, the, thing, the thing that kind of um, uh, introduced us to one another, I suppose, was via Walmart. You, you, you'd moved on from there when we first met, but, but that was something that you were deeply involved in and adopting and applying continuous delivery across Walmart, really, mm. you, you know, so could you talk a little bit about that? And, you know, so, so we've, we've talked about these ideas that continuous delivery can bring all these nice benefits. Um, but how do you start doing that, you know, at, at business benefits and technical benefits and social benefits kind of thing? But yeah, how do you start actually, thinking I, about that at scale? 
I, I uh, scale, especially if you're dealing with Walmart, uh, thinking at scale something, it just becomes a habit. It, it, it's, you know, you're paying for things with the margin on bananas, um, you know, and you have to think about what we can do from a force multiplication point of view. You can't go and educate every single person. We had a, a, a pretty thought out uh, strategy we were using. It was all being driven from the platform area, from delivery platform. Um, but we had the CTO asking, you know, putting a challenge out there, uh, you know, the mission, right? I'd like every team to be able to deliver at least daily, mm -hmm. you know, minimum, uh, which was a far cry from where every, almost everybody was. Uh, we also put together a very opinionated platform uh, that made CD the golden path and not CD um, possible, but painful, mm -hmm. right? Uh, we gamified metrics. We had, you know, CI and delivery metrics that we were dashboarding. We put star ratings around things like how well you're doing trunk-based development, how well you're doing continuous integration, and all these things. Uh, and that was driving people towards asking questions about how they could do those things better. And then we started the dojo, and you know, the, the Walmart dojo was modeled after the Target dojo, which for obvious reasons we were not able to visit. But we did visit Verizon's dojo, which was also modeled after Target dojo. And the dojo wasn't like a center of excellence. It was a group of engineers who knew how to do continuous delivery, who would go and bet in your team. It was very similar to the, uh, the, the test mercenaries at Google, where we would just go and bet in your team work with you and and not in a dogmatic way at all it was just like okay we need to solve the problem of you're delivering like this today we want to see if we can get to delivery daily what are the things blocking us let's fix those problems let's work together to solve those issues yeah um and by the way i've written about this the issues are all super common they're just uh, i won't bore you with them but you can read my blogs and i talk about the, the issues are always the same on every single team um you know, formed communities around this. You know, we had the, my wife actually started the continuous chai community, which was kind of a spin on lean coffee, <laughs> where it was everybody just networking and sharing what they were trying to do. It wasn't like, look at the great things we're doing. It's like, look at the things we're trying, you know? And so it's this entire integrated approach. And I actually wrote about this for IT Revolution for their fall journal for 2020. And I, I lay out, this is, a, you know, I believe an effective strategy for change. Um, and, uh, you know, we, we made a lot of impact for, you know, as a team of five, we made huge impact with mm -hmm. that team. Uh, uh, so it's a team of five. How many people were you? Yeah, yeah. So, so, I understand. So, so how, how many people were you, you know, helping to facilitate change for how, how you know help how, how many people were you helping well just, to the, give, just give a you know picture yeah, of relative scale there's uh if you if you look at the the data in github there was uh about 18,000 I mean, 18, active developers globally yeah. um we were you know that was our that was our north star right how do we help fix yeah, you know how do we help these people not punch themselves in the face every single day. And there was all sorts of things we were doing around scaling where you, you can't embed in all of those teams. But there's ways, you know, we were using Gary Gruber's material. Uh, I've actually written a strategy document before Gary even created that. So this is we need to create people who know how to do what we're doing in yeah. their areas 
partner with them and help them do that. We don't want to be the center of all things. We just, we know how to do it. Let's train other people and coordinate the effort. And that was the strategy we were running when I left. So, so you've got a, um, a kind of training program based on Gary's material that, that, that would kind of get people. Yeah. Uh, sheep dipped in the in the thinking yeah. i suppose and and then then the, the the dojo were were the supporting team that that the experts and in in the team topologies model you'd call them an enabling team where they, they were they were lending support to stream aligned teams to kind of make well, the change and you know one of the things we pressed really hard when we there was we repeated constantly number one we're not agile coaches we can coach you on whatever agile thing you want to do we're, yeah. we're not going to teach you scrum or kanban or whatever we're going to teach you to get stuff done yeah um and but we're engineers and we're not telling you anything that we are not actually currently doing uh, we were also yeah. developing an application so that we could use that application to build another capability for the platform and also use it as a demonstration. This is how we actually do it. This is not theoretical. We're not just talking out of a book. This is what we currently do daily yeah. in our work. That's, I, I, I think that's one of the, the useful kind of flying car tools. It's easier to have the conversation about flying cars if somebody's seen one, <laughs> yes. even if it was just a, an easy demonstration. So, so yeah. having, so having having that example, I, when 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 I worked at Elmax building financial exchange, we were we were funded by a big sports betting provider, Betfair, uh, when mm -hmm. we started off, and they would often we, they would often send people to come and just see how we were working, so that they they could you know they could understand better you know how this stuff actually played out, and then they could kind of take those lessons and start supplying them. I think one of the keys that I've found often, though, is people look at the exterior, um, you know, how things are done. Yeah. They miss the the mindset behind it. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> you know, when when we right after we were piloting CD and before we had this enterprise strategy, uh, I, I went to the head of quality engineering and I, I told Kim, I was like, Kim, you need to hire me to drive CD as an initiative across Walmart because mm -hmm. there was no strategy at that point. I said, because CD is a quality initiative. It's not a delivery initiative. Yeah. It's not delivering faster. It's about delivering higher quality. And we need yeah. to drive it from this angle because you've got the organization in place. We just need to tweak how we're operating the organization and push the right message to improve engineering quality across Walmart. And, and of course, if we, do, if we, do, if we delivering with um, higher quality, we get the, higher speed is a nice side effect it's a side effect yes. yeah uh, it's part it's part of that core quality thing that we don't get good quality by driving large change and then hoping we get yeah. good quality by finding out we had poor quality rapidly uh and, and and but that mindset is so important i mean you can see oh well we build and deploy daily well great but why why are we doing this and it's important to understand the why and so, 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 how did you? I, I, I agree with you entirely. Of course, that that you know that the the, the mind I, the mindset's the much more important thing. The tech, the technical bits and pieces of the solution vary by context and stuff. But once yeah. you've got the mindset, 
all of that stuff's easy because you just say, well, they've got this problem. Or As you said, that's just an engineering problem now. And that's the easiest, easier part. You know, I was, I was at DevOps Days Dallas this past week and uh, I was talking to some of the vendors and they asked what I did. And I said, well, I focus on how do we deliver software better? That's, yeah. that's my primary focus. And they said, oh, really? What tools? I think like, it doesn't matter. <laughs> and they kept listening on the tools. I mean, it's, like, it's yeah. entirely irrelevant. Whatever tools are needed, I don't care. It's, yeah. it, it just doesn't matter. Yeah. So, so, so how, how did you, what, what sorts of things at Walmart did you do to try and, you know, promote that philosophy, you know, and, and get that philosophy into those minds? Was that, was that part of, you know, uh, Gary's, uh, Gary Groover's training or is it, was it, was it more than that? I mean, you know, what, what sorts of things did you do to kind of. So, so Gary's training came, uh, yeah, we introduced his training just before I, I left Walmart. Uh, you know, we got that in there as a, a pilot, you have to understand a pilot for Walmart, it's like 5,000 licenses for his, his introduction training. Yep. The goal being to just level set on our goals because we got, it's that's the biggest challenge is understanding what it is we're trying to accomplish. Stable quality signal, rapid feedback, get that out to all the managers and engineers who need the help, right? And so we don't have to introduce that at the start every single time. But before that, you know, it's lunch and learns, um, you know, we'd, we'd put together a lunch and learns, uh, where we would actually supply lunch and that's how you get people in the room. Yeah. Uh, DevOps days, uh, we had our Slack channel where we were constantly out there answering questions publicly, uh, injecting new ideas, sharing Dave Farley videos. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, it's anything we were creating playbooks around the main problems we saw that were boring us. I mean, we're engineers. We like to solve interesting problems. You keep coming to us with the same problems again and again. So let's just codify the common solutions we've seen with some tips that you can go try and then tell us if that doesn't work. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and then come bother us with more interesting problems. Uh, actually, we have managed to open source uh, a huge swath of that content to the dojoconsortium.org is just a, how do we help solve those basic problems so we can get to more interesting things around delivery? Yeah, yeah, I, I, I've I've seen some of the materials and and you know re, real helpful. Uh, yeah, it's, we try, you know, uh, but it's just blasting out the information and saying, look, any way that we can help, just let us know. And sometimes I'd help was going and talking to the director and trying to educate the directors so the director would let them. Uh, just whatever, and and trying to be that conduit between the people using the platform and the platform itself to you know how do we improve the developer experience what what things are in place so we can make it easier for them to deliver software better you know I, even talking to compliance hey look i know you're demanding cab but what if we could automate the checks in the pipelines so that you don't you know you can have an actual compliance instead of pretend theatrical compliance and cab yeah you know and that sort of thing so it was just driving it from every angle, trying to help people succeed. So, 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 so that uh, you talking about the compliance function, and I don't mean this disparaging, and dis, disparaging manner for compliance function, but it starts to think, you know, in a big organization of kind of the challenges of bureaucracy, and a bit, you know, big organizations are complex beasts. They're not. Mm -hmm. You know, it's it's not like working on a small team in a startup. You want to try and establish, you, you want to try and establish that kind of vibe in in your small development teams. But the whole dynamic in these bigger organisations is is very very different. And 
the traditional response in long-standing organizations like Walmart is probably quite sensibly in many ways, but to build up a level of bureaucracy around some of those standard patterns and procedures and so on. And sure. over time, that kind of starts to accrue scar tissue and you, you know, that becomes a problem in itself. So how, how, what sorts of things did you face that were like that? And, and, and how did you, how did you start overcoming those? Because often you've got people whose whole job is to maintain and promote and keep the bureaucracy running. Uh, it was, it's sales. It's coming, you know, and this is something I had to learn because I'm not, I'm not a psychiatrist or psychologist. I've never been taught sales marketing. I don't, you know, these are just, I need this outcome. So I need to figure out what you need and show you how what we're trying to do will meet your need better or what we need to adjust to better meet your need. Yeah. Because I, I promise that nobody in compliance wants to be spending all their time uh, on paperwork. They <laughs> rather have things be compliant. Uh, yeah. you know, that how can I make your job easy? Yeah. And that's, you know, that's, that's how we focused on everything. Uh, you know, when we were starting out the pilot in uh, logistics, we went to, you know, we had an external testing organization. We had an external operations, you know, support not infrastructure, but they were literally supporting the application first and second level support in production. And we went to them and said, okay, now this, the way we're currently operating won't work with our goal around CD. So how can we work together to do that? Uh, with, uh, uh, honestly, with the testing organization, it was much easier. It took some time to convince them mm -hmm. uh, that we could actually test better than the way we were testing previously uh, yeah. the operations organization was super easy because they demanded a 90-day warranty period before they take something over since we were delivering daily we'd never meet that warranty period and we got to take ops back <laughs> which yeah. is what i wanted in the first place because when you have operational support for what you build you deliver higher quality and uh, you, you you know how to fix things which they took away from us years before that we took yeah back. yeah it's 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 it's, it's, it's surprising how much the idea of being on call at 3 a.m. in the morning makes you test harder. <laughs> well, and it was we started the dojo, you know, Walmart's uh, uh, um, tagline at the time and still is was save money, live better. Mm -hmm. Right. And then all the platform tools, uh, you know, we had, uh, you know, you know, like the orchestration engines orchestrate more, live better. Well, the dojo's motto was deploy more, sleep better. And that's because of that <laughs> three o'clock in the morning. Day. You know, I've spent too many years on pager not to uh, deploy. Yeah, yeah, me too. <laughs> so, so, so the um, I, 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 I just want to kind of pull out that one of the threads that you, you, you that you've said because I, I think it's an important one. I, I, I get asked lots about you know people working in bigger, more bureaucratic organizations and how you can kind of make you know make how do you get how do i get my product owner to you know care more about you know the costs of doing development or how do i get the business not to be demanding you know 12 month it, it, plans it, ahead of time and all of those kinds of things and and one, one of my answers is exactly what you just described which is you try and find a problem that they really have and solve it in a better way you know that's it's a good way of winning friends and influencing people 
Well, the other advice I have is to find the people as high up in the food chain as possible and sell them on why this is needed. Yeah. That you really need the air cover. You need the people kind of driving at that level. You can't get it done at the grassroots. Mm -hmm. you, you can start. You can demonstrate what's possible, but it'll die if you don't have support from the top. And, uh, you know, one of the mistakes that uh, I personally made was we had CTO support. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I completely ignored everyone between the CTO and the development teams as far as trying to sell and educate. Yeah. Um, and that came back to bite us when the CTO left to, because he was an empty nester and he wanted a job or didn't have to commute so far. Yeah. <laughs> and then we had to go and figure out ways to rebuild, uh, you know, that air cover. And that took some time and slowed things down and yeah. it, was, it was moderately successful. You know, we, we, uh, you know, managed to reach out and. Uh, work with some VPs and SVPs who are trying to make change and explain to them what we've, what we've been doing and how we're trying to operate and how can we collaborate and make this a real thing? Uh, and, you know, how can we help? Yeah. And, and the, that I, I think that the idea of um, sort of starting at, two ends of the spectrum kind of the, the very senior people in the organization and the grassroots is a, is a very common one for good reason i've talked about that myself uh, on occasion but well, but I, it's, I it's like, problematic well and people talk about the frozen middle but again you, you can't just look at them that way they need yeah. things yeah right so how can we reach out to them and show them that this will help them meet their needs yeah. And, and, and you have to constantly be going up and, you know, I'd go just randomly walk into a director's office, hand him a copy of Accelerate. Uh, we handed out nearly seven cases of Accelerate. Yeah. Uh, and just talk to him about it and say, you know, hey, if there's anything I can do to help, you know, what, what problems do you have right now? And here's some ideas about how we might be able to work on these problems by yeah. focusing, improving how we deliver instead of adding more process. I can't tell you how many safe implementations we helped burn to the ground. Uh, we, we called ourselves safe crackers. <laughs> Another good blog post on your site. <laughs> yeah, I, I have legendary hate of skilled agile framework because yeah. of the pain it has caused me and many other teams that I've witnessed personally. I've seen the pain, though I have legendary hate for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I've seen. I've not experienced it personally, but quite a lot of my clients have attempted it or mm. or claimed to be practicing it when I when I kind of started working with them. And I, I, I confess I haven't seen a successful one yet. But I've I've seen a lot of pain. Uh yeah. and I've one of the things we talk about well, one of the things that I I I, I write about and speak about all the time was how when we ignored scale agile framework and focused on how do we re-architect the teams around, you know, using, we we focused on Conway's law, strategic domain-driven design. Let's let's decompose this giant monolith. Let's re-architect the teams. We're gonna focus on those teams being highly cohesive, loosely coupled teams, uh, you know, good API discipline between the teams, focus on continuous delivery and within the teams, uh, to not chain them together, help people learn how to test better and do all of these things. 
that it was much more successful as a scaling framework. Yes. To descale. And yes. this is a long time before other people, you know, there's just something that we read your book. We read uh, all the material that was out there at the time about how do we actually get this thing done? We knew that you move faster as units than you do as a train. Yeah. So how do we enable that? Yeah. And it works yeah. really, really well. Yeah, in, in, indeed. Could could you kind of paint a picture of the the before and after? Are there any examples? That, you know, what, what was it? What was life like before versus what it was like after you'd made these changes? You know, the reason that we started down the path of CD was because our SVP gave us this challenge. I talk about this all the time. Uh, yeah. We were delivering every quarter. Now, um, and, uh, let me just an idea of scale. You're talking about one of the core warehouse management systems for the world's largest retailer. Um, it was deployed to hundreds of distribution centers um, and at one point, I was in charge of the source of the merge team, which I rebranded the source management team. Our job was to create branches that, uh, and, and merge those branches. And there's about 400 of them merging every quarter. Um, so you can imagine the merge conflicts of a quarter-long branch. And every quarter, we'd deliver about six weeks late. We'd have uh, at least a week-long 24-7 support war room going on uh, with all the pizza you could eat. And, uh, and life was pretty awful. And then, you know, we started really focusing on CD and, and, you know, on the, the first pilot teams we were on. So I was on one team, one of my, uh, co-conspirators was leading another team and we we're trying to sort out, solve these problems. How do we actually do this thing? Right. Why can't we do these things? Let's solve it. On the team I was on, it was focusing on uh, a receiving application for the warehouse. We started off with uh, just in a terrible spot, uh, weren't delivering anything, uh, fits and starts. And it got, uh, after about 18 months, we had to learn like all the skills from scratch, right? We didn't know how to do behavior-driven development, didn't even know what it was when we started. Uh, we knew that contract-driven development was a thing. Uh, we were digging into that. You know, We were trying to figure out all these things. 18 months later, we were delivering to a, a production in a distribution center, getting feedback on Slack from the users on the ground at the distribution center, uh, delivering 10 to 12 times a day um, with, and, and those weren't defect fixes. I mean, sure, some of them were, but some of them were just the DC uh, associates asking, hey, what if we tried this? And we'd spin that idea around in a day or two and say, I don't know, what do you think? Mm-hmm. Right. We, we, uh, after I left the team, the team continued pushing this forward and their development cycle time, the time from started to done dropped to less than a day on average. They were doing, they, they kept it tracked in the board. They were like point, uh, 0.89 days development cycle time. Yeah. And cool. that was a point of pride, right? As they broken that work down that small. Yeah. Yeah. That, that touches on, an, on another idea that, um, that, criticizers of um continuous delivery will often kind of put up as a straw man which is oh this is okay but it only works for geniuses i assume that what you're describing these are the same people no yeah no i i you know in 2017 uh, one of my teammates and i <clears throat> we gave a talk at devops enterprise summit called cd solving the talent problem yeah and the the team we were on was too big. There was 15 people on this team. It's at least twice too big. 
Um, and we didn't change, we didn't hire a bunch of like high performing engineers. In fact, there's one, one person on the team who is very high performing uh, that when he left it actually improved the team's deliverables because he wasn't very collaborative. Yeah. Um, and, and there was people there who didn't code very well, but they had other talents. And so we leveraged those talents. Uh, and so focusing on, you know, why can't you code better, right? We just used the skills that they had, uh, and the entire team elevated. Yeah. People became more skilled at things. We didn't even know how to test when we started, but if you're doing continuous delivery, you have to fall in love with testing and data and yeah. metrics. How are we doing? And we have to fall passionately in love with that. And so we all learn together, mm -hmm. you know, and I didn't, I wasn't an expert. I was just staying a chapter ahead of the team. I was the tech lead. My job was to clear technical impediments. One of those is why can't we deliver today? And so yeah. that was my job full time. How do we figure this out? Uh, and so, yeah, you, you don't have to have a bunch of, uh, you know, A players or 10X engineers. Those are yeah. the anyway. You just need to elevate the team, edge, invest in the people. They have the skill. You just need to teach them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, 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 that's a conversation that I often end up having with the senior people in, in my clients. You know, at some point, very, very often, a senior person will take me aside during my engagement to say, Dave, you've been working with our people for a while can you tell us you know are they good enough you know who are the people that we should get rid of and replace with other and i say they're all good enough they can this isn't about that it's well yeah. you know when i talked about the scaling strategy we had at walmart the strategy wasn't we need to scale continuous delivery the scale, hmm. the strategy was we need to improve engineering excellence across the enterprise yeah cd was the tool not the goal we, yeah. we knew you know, Jason Venzel was head of, of delivery platform, and he's a huge CD advocate. He's not vocal about it. Mm -hmm. uh, he does other things, like he created Maven, you know, for example, you know. Uh, but but Jason was that, you know, that person who said, look, this will be a game changer. This yeah. is how we can improve engineering across the enterprise in measurable ways and give people a challenge that they can actually solve, you know, and continuously improve on, that they have to learn to do it. There's just not a way to do CD without learning. And that's that's what I keep pushing. I know it's effective. We improve engineering talent by giving engineers a challenge to solve. So, so, if, if, so if, if you were, if you were, if you were talking to, you know, you a few years ago before you started doing this and you're going to give you're somebody in your kind of position, you're giving them advice about yeah. how to steer this kind of change in their organization. What What's 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 the what are the key bits that you'd give them in terms of, you know, the things to focus on, the things to think about, the, the pitfalls that they might run into? Uh People try to scale too fast. I, I, you know, try to roll it out to too many teams. Uh, so I would say, number one, run some experiments. Mm -hmm. You know, learn how to do it. You know, don't don't walk in and say, "I've read this book. We know how to get it done." You just don't know. There were so many things that I had to learn about, even how I interacted with my teammates. I used to be old school tech lead. Do what I say. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that doesn't work. Right. I had to change my entire method of operating as a tech lead. 
Um, and you know, you won't know what you don't know until you try it. So small, you know, fail small, do, you know, don't, don't do big batch continuous delivery. That just doesn't work. Um, measure, uh, you know, before and after, because one of the things we didn't do well initially was we didn't have a, a, a baseline of, of how we were performing. You know, we didn't establish some good metrics up front and then show how those metrics were progressing later on. And when leadership changed, we had to then go and try to resell the entire concept to the leadership level in the area. It was very difficult because they didn't believe us. Yeah. Um, so measure where you're at. A value stream mapping is a really lightweighted, lightweight way to do this versus, you know, trying to instrument everything. I, I prefer instrumenting things. Uh, mm -hmm. But doing a value stream map and showing where the wait times are and showing how that's improving over time and, you know, and tracking how long it takes us to go from started to production. Done is production. Everything else is BS. Right. And, and measure those things and show that and, and advertise it. Um, you know, get, you have to get the buy-in and it takes fails. People aren't yeah. going to believe it just because you say it's awesome. You have to show them data. Yeah, that, and, and that, actually, that actually goes back to something that you said earlier that I meant to pick up on, because that resonated with me and matched my experience, which is this idea. It's something that Martin Thompson and I used to talk to each other about when we were at LMAX that we called internal technical marketing. And it's yeah. something that us technologies are not very good at on the whole, but it's necessary to be able to, if you want to bring people along it's necessary to be able to, at some well, level, be able to communicate and explain the reasons why this is good. Yeah, this is something that I, I iterated on pretty rapidly. So I, I, you know, once we started seeing the benefits of what we were doing, and I, I created a, uh, a dependency diagram. I took the capability model from continuous delivery mm -hmm. uh, and then broke it down and then created a, a, a dependency diagram of those capabilities, what depends on what. Right. Yeah. And it came down to we can't do CI because we can't do TDD well because we don't know what we're doing as far as we're guessing at what the actual story is. So we need behavior driven development. Yeah. And so we just started with BDD. And then uh, once we started seeing the benefit of this, I was like, okay, if this dies as an experiment here, I'm going to have to go back to pain. Mm -hmm. And so I started, uh, you know, going around the building and saying, Hey, can I talk to your team about behavior driven development? And I, you know, that's the very first presentation I ever put together was explaining behavior driven development and then explaining how that can lead to acceptance test driven development. Yeah. Uh, and going from team to team to team and trying to build that, you know, that hunger for let's do it better. Yeah. And this was, this was not my job. This was something I was, my, my management was allowing me to do in addition to my job. Yeah. And, but you have to do that. You have to sell because otherwise it'll die. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and that, that brings us on to, you know, this other part is, is that this isn't, it's not something that's necessarily durable. People, in, again, in big organizations in particular, yeah. people change, you know, management priorities change and so on. And sometimes, sometimes, you know, even they will work against, good ideas they'll they'll work against what what's actually working so finding ways to try and build a culture that is self-sustaining is incredibly right. difficult you and i have talked about this 
yeah. offline, you know, a, a couple of times. But this is incredibly difficult to achieve, even in the best organizations. And at some level, it seems to me that, you know, part of somebody like you, your, your role is going to be always injecting some energy into the process and reminding everybody about why, why this stuff works and so on to keep it going. Well, and, and my wife and I have had lots of conversations about this because this is something that, you know, we, we're deeply embedded into the DevOps community. We have lots of conversations with the, you know, the behind the scenes, real conversations, not the ones you see on stage. Yeah. And, and it's something we see constantly where you'll see a leadership change. Um, you'll see a loss of focus on some key concepts. Uh, there'll be a stumble and then you'll get the scars develop. Um, yeah and things will start going downhill rapidly right yeah. and in we have this hypothesis that if you really focus on establishing the culture in the platforms that the platforms are built in such a way that uh, it, it 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 may not prevent you from stumbling but you have to work hard at it yeah. Um, and that you'd have to revamp the entire platform to change the culture. You know, how do we embed that into the platforms? Um, but, you know, talking about some of the stumbles, I mean, we've seen organizations where they've been focusing on CD uh, and the, the core people who understand the mindset behind it uh, leave. Yes. Other people haven't picked up the mindset and they forget about things like, oh, it's not just deliver quickly. It's establishing a quality process where we have efficient and effective quality gates to tell us when things are broken, that the pipeline's entire purpose is to decertify artifacts. That's why it's there, is to decertify artifacts. They don't put enough focus on it. Things start breaking in production. And then leadership says, nah, breaks. All right, we need to make sure that you go to cab and explain everything that you're going to do. And then you need to yeah. go to another level of cab and make sure that you've checked off all the boxes and promised us it's high quality before you can deliver, Yeah, which is, uh, which is the opposite of a quality process. It actually makes quality worse. There's yeah. data to show this, right? Yeah. If that's what happens, if the mindset isn't baked in. And so how can you bake that into the platform and to remind people going forward that this is how it's supposed to work. This is the mindset you have that it's just, I don't know. I'd love to see a platform that did that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, it, it's, it's a, it's a difficult problem because I guess it goes back to the flying cars that we were talking about at the beginning. There's, there's an awful lot of people in management and leadership positions that have never seen a flying car, you know? Yeah. And, and so, and so they're, anybody in it and they can fly it and they slam into the ground at high speed yeah indeed so 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 it's uh you know they're going to make the wrong choices in in those situ situations and as you say that the, the data's out there just just as an aside the the thing that you mentioned about um, change approval boards you know is is, is uh, i assume you're quoting it from the same place that I usually do, which is the Accelerate book, which 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 found through the depth state of DevOps reports that change approval boards boards are negatively correlated with quality. Well, and I think it's important people understand why, because that's an yeah, assertion. Yeah. Like that's a claim, right? Yeah. But they, they need to understand why. And you know, again, CD is a quality initiative, and that quality comes from getting rapid feedback on very small changes. Yeah. Well, cabs make change larger and delay feedback. Yeah. 
which reduces quality. Yeah, yeah. I, and and I, I've been I've been talking to some people this week as it happens on on social media about doing this in you know safety critical systems, safety critical environments. And there's a, there's a company in the pharmaceutical industry that that are practicing genuine continuous delivery, making tiny small changes, and mm -hmm. their you know their safety's improved. So so this this definitely works, and we have lots of data. You know, there's lots of data to kind of back these kinds of things up. Yeah, I, I, I wish it, I it's not on, it's not it's kind of not obvious. It's it's not that these people are uh, that haven't seen the flying cars are stupid it's just it's not necessarily obvious that flying cars work and that you know this is the truth but it's, it, it's counterintuitive yeah. if you've been trained on itsm uh and you know legacy change management process yeah yeah practice. absolutely yeah yeah yeah, uh, difficult problem. So, so let, let's let's kind of move forward a little bit in your personal timeline. Is mm. is that you, you're now working with the U.S. Air Force? Yeah, introducing continuous delivery there. That sounds that would surprise lots of people, <laughs> and sounds difficult. So, tell us a little bit about the. You know, are, are, is it the same challenges? Are there different challenges? Are you? You know, are there other? What have you learned from this experience? Uh, well, I've learned that the Department of Defense, um, you know, they they have applied, um, they have the thing called an authority to operate that you'll hear about. And this is a, a long process of certifying that your thing meets all the security and compliance standards required. And you get this authority to operate and you're good until they have another review in two or three years. Now that might work for a, a skiff, you know, like a, a, you know, a secure building, you know, that doesn't change very often. It's completely uh, irrelevant when it comes to software delivery. Um, it's that whole mindset of we're going to build it and then we're going to make sure it's good and then we're going to deliver it. Mm -hmm. Okay, but I'm going to do that multiple times a day. That doesn't work. Now, the uh, you know platform one. Uh, you know, one of the things they have is they have the continuous authority to operate where the goal is to bake the certification into the pipelines. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's, uh, that's, you know, this game changer thing. But then of course the, the, uh, you know, the question is, is how, how much of that can we really bake in? Some things require, uh, knowledge that can't be automated. And so how do we front load that versus that being an inspection at the end? You know, and so there's, it's, you know, there's honestly, other than the fact that you're trying to change a larger, more entrenched bureaucracy than exists in a company like Walmart, yeah. the challenges are very much the same. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's just overcoming the larger external bureaucracy and selling, you know, just explaining to them how their current processes, again, are theatrics. They don't apply to to product development and software uh, because change happens too quickly. And in fact, it's dangerous because you've got this two or three year license to be insecure where mm -hmm. I don't have to go and get you to check anything uh, after that. You're just assuming that I'm going to have security after that. Uh, also, you know, with software, I can have something that's secure today, make no changes, it's insecure tomorrow, and I have yeah. to be able to deploy a change to fix that. If you're not doing CD, you cannot be secure. It's not possible to be secure without continuous delivery. Mm -hmm. Any attempt other than that is complete fantasy. Yeah. Yeah, so there's some, some great, uh, there's a group of people that did, uh, It's called. I think it's called the Rugged Manifesto that mm. came across my uh, 
Event Horizon at some point a few years ago. And one of the things that they pointed out that really resonated with me was that um, was that the, the the attack surface area that that bad people try to exploit in you know in most software is is kind of almost eliminated if you don't run any software that's more than eight months old. So if you can keep your software up to date, you kind of eliminate so ninety five percent of the t attack surface area of your software. So keep your yeah. operating system up to date, keep your language up to date, you know, keep your infrastructure up to date. And as you say, continuous delivery makes that no brainer. It's easy, but without it, that's difficult. There are there are few organisations that I've ever seen that will even think about upgrading, you know, the version of C sharp or Java that they're running. You know, it, once the prop thing's built, you know, that's because that's such a big deal if you're not running continuous delivery. Well, and, and you know, we we can talk about a, a tip that I'd like to just stick in everyone's mind. You know, when we were doing this uh, pilot at Walmart, I had a, a dependency, an API dependency on, you know, the partner team. That API wasn't changing very frequently. We'd stabilized it and we were building out other things. It was a, a node application that was wrapping, you know, with a, a C++ interface to the legacy software that was, you know, C, right? And we needed a property added for a new feature. It's take a day or two tops to add the property all the way through the stack and expose it to us. It actually took uh, two or three weeks because they, uh, when they ran their pipeline, they found out one of the dependencies had been blacklisted with a security issue. They had to upgrade that dependency, and the next upgrade was a breaking API change of the dependency. So it took them two or three weeks to refactor the code to use the dependency. Yeah, and you know the uh, the postmortem from that is we started running scheduled builds on all of our pipelines every week, whether or not anything changed or not. Yeah, and if you don't have any sort of you know uh, production level scanning for for your dependencies for CVEs. You know, yeah. or even if you do, don't just let a pipeline stagnate. You know, I've got yeah. a dashboard now that'll tell me if I have a pipeline has been running a week. Yeah, it's critical. Run your pipelines all the time. Yeah. Oh, but I don't want to redeploy. Why not? You're just yeah. redeploying. You're just validating your pipeline still works. Keep pipelines green. Yeah, yeah, and 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 that gets back to the, the what I increasingly think of the the real fundamental value of continuous delivery or the fundamental tenet of continuous delivery which is make changing small steps you know yeah. if you're if you're running if you're running your pipeline frequently then the the delta between you know now and the future is small and you yeah. know what, what, whatever's in that delta it's smaller than if you wait longer so you know and, and that has a big impact yeah I, uh, it changes your mindset you know i used to be uh, okay with you know two months worth of change. Well, not okay, but I mean, it didn't terrify me. Now, uh, you know, when we started that pilot, they actually put the brakes on us in logistics because another team had a failure in production. So they put the brakes on everybody. Yeah. And on on day five of looking at the amount of change my team was making that was not deploying, I, I started escalating to the senior director about the mm -hmm. level of risk he was incurring by not letting a ship. Yeah. And convinced them to let a ship to reduce the risk. Yeah. And, and and so and so in 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 the air force on with the platform on stuff are you are you are you seeing any progress are, are things are things moving forwards in the way that you want 
Uh, I mean, it's it's like anything else in, in, in any change. There's fits and starts. Yeah, there's progress. There's more and more people talking about it. Uh, the the idea of CD is getting more traction more broadly in the DoD. Uh, and, uh, you know, I think this is a, a critical national asset that we mm -hmm. have these capabilities and we keep driving them that I, I know speaking as an American that we have adversaries who don't like us very much. Uh, and I'm pretty sure that their systems of government where it matters on things like this have less bureaucracy than ours do. Yeah. <laughs> and that bureaucracy, uh, while it can it, in some cases be a benefit in cases like this, it's uh, dangerous. You don't see that level of bureaucracy when there's a shooting war for yeah. good reasons. Yeah. 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 And, and, you know, as a, an outside observer, um it seems to me that you know the american government in in this is a stupid thing to say already the american i was going to i was going to say the american government in general seem to be taking some of this stuff ser seriously but i am seeing pockets of people talking about different things there was, there was i've forgotten his name there was a, a gentleman at the um, department of homeland security that was pushing continuous delivery quite hard a, a few years ago and there were some articles that i read about doing you know regular frequent small small batch deployments to fighter jets uh and so on for, for, for yeah for actually uh platform one um you know they they delivered to a u2 in flight with the platform yeah, yeah. uh so that's that's kind of cool um that was yeah. you know a while back but yeah there's there's more people coming in from industry trying to help the you know the new cio well relatively new cio to the navy um has been has pushing these same concepts it's yeah. just you know, there are huge bureaucracies to adjust, and you know, there's a lot of education required to get it done. Yeah. So, so the you know one of the things that you that you that you mentioned to me beforehand, and I'm I'm not quite sure whether this is directly related to platform one or I think it's more general. But one of the comments that you made that you thought was an important idea was to say that that platforms were about more than just need to include training. They weren't just about code. Yeah, and this is not related to platform one. This is just platforms. And this is something, you know, I'm, I'm keep refining this deck, uh, uh, giving again, uh, not too distant future, platforms as a product. Mm -hmm. right? And that the concept that number one, the entire reason for any platform is to make it easier for product teams to deliver. That's the entire reason for existence. If you approach it as we're the cops or you do what we say, or, you know, you can't, you're not more important than the, plat than the product teams. And that, this is coming from someone who works, who's been working platform for a long time. The only purpose I have for working on platforms is to support my customers. Yeah. The product teams. Yeah. Right. Um, and, and having it, but it's not enough to give them the tools because cool. I can build you a Formula One race car, and you can go really fast. And if I don't give you any education whatsoever, you can go really fast right into a barrier and die. Yeah. Right? The platform has to include the education on how to use the platform effectively. Yeah. And this goes for, and this isn't just delivery platform. I consider a good security organization will operate as a platform. Yeah, here's good security tooling. Here's good security education. Yeah. Here's, uh, you know, uh, all of the evangelism around how to be more secure, just the mindset around security. 
to make security easy. Compliance, yes. same thing. Delivery, same thing. Database, same thing. These are all these all should be operated as as productized platforms. Yeah. To make it easy to reduce the uh, cognitive load, uh, and to let people just flow downhill to success. The, yeah, yeah. I mean, and so it's, but it can't just be the tools. If you just hand people tools, they'll hurt themselves if they've never had the experience to use those tools before. It's 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 one of the things that I it's one of the things that I liked a lot. There were lots of things that I liked a lot in the team topologies book, but one of the things that I liked a lot was 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 examples of platforms that's just documentation. You know, if you're going to create a new service, do it like this, and that'll be in line with the way that we're thinking about it. We might be able to help you out more in the future, but this is a good 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 way to start. Or it might just be you know a blog post or something. It doesn't have well, to be you know, or, or it could be a chat. I don't know, but. And, and, you know, and a lot of this, you know, this is things where if you've only seen one thing, it, it, it looks like that's the right way to do it. Yeah. Uh, I've, I've had the advantage of working with others in the Dojo Consortium uh, and, you know, in the broader DevOps community to compare notes on things. And yeah. the way that we did the Walmart platform uh, is what I would consider correct. And because number one, the, the platform was we we focused on developer experience from day one. Now it wasn't great developer experience, but we were continuously improving the DevX. Mm -hmm. We had good documentation, and we we took pride in our documentation. Um, every tool on the platform had its own documentation. The platform had its documentation, and then the dojo had how to use the platform effectively, well documented. Mm -hmm. Um, we had training sessions, we had outreach, uh, you know, where the product owners for the different tools would go and interact with our customers and get feedback and you know, how do we improve the platform. Um, we had, you know, a really uh, good support model. Um, we, you know, where we're very disciplined about answering the common questions quickly, documenting things. So they say, hey, have you looked at the documentation? Hey, have you taken the training? take the training then come ask us the questions read the documentation and then come ask us the questions yeah um and all of that together with with uh, branding stickers t-shirts you know operating like a real product yeah allowed a, a, when i left walmart platform there was about 80 people in platform total in cd platform yeah. total Del and, and I'd say what 90, 95% of all builds came through us when yeah. I left. Right. Um, that's, so that's, you know, 18,000 developers were supporting high availability 24 seven globally. The documentation team was two people. This, the frontline support team was eight people globally. And, and so you have to just picture that, right. Our way of operating allowed us to have this small group of people who are mostly doing development mm -hmm. support this huge organization. Yeah. Because, I mean, just because of the focus we had on operating at scale, that's so yeah. incredibly important because one of the other things that my old boss, he was speaking on a panel platform con and they're talking about this problem that platforms have where they try to take on everything mm -hmm. instead of focusing, we do this. Yeah. And then bury themselves and collapse because they become overhead. Yeah. And how do you how do you become revenue neutral so that you don't cost anything? You, you're not yeah. gonna make a profit, but how do you get as close to zero as possible? Yeah. And that's that's something you really have to focus on as you're thinking about how do we how do we stand up a platform? Cool.
yeah thank you the, 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 I think we're probably starting to get close close to time but um there's a couple of things that I just wanted to to mention of, of things that you've been doing again, kind of you know, open source out there. What one of them's minimum CD. Could you talk a little bit about minimum CD? Yeah, so this we started as a conversation at the virtual bar at DevOps Enterprise Summit. We were talking about how people don't understand, they just look at the tools and they'll build and deploy, or uh, and and so they they get hurt or they cause problems in their organizations and CD that literally gets banned in their organization. Yeah. Or people say we're doing continuous delivery. We're delivering once a month yeah. because continuous delivery means we deliver on demand and we only demand once a month. Yeah. Right. And the, you know, going back to the goal of continuous delivery in this context is to improve the organization. Yeah. But you're not going to get there if you're not doing real CD. And so a bunch of us, put together, okay, we have a lot of different industries represented here at the bar, lots of different delivery contexts. It's not just the you know, web apps in the cloud or something. Yeah. What is the minimum set of activities that will get us to improving the organization like they talked about in Accelerate that's yeah. true in every single context? And so we yeah. just put that list together and we were, it's like, if we couldn't, if it, if it wasn't true in every context, we took it off the list. Yeah. Right. And said, okay, now these are the problems, the minimum set of problems to solve to start seeing the advantages of continuous delivery and see yeah. the change in organization. And so, yeah. but, and we keep iterating on that, uh, you know, adding more, um, you know, like uh, experience reports or tips or tricks, but we keep mm -hmm. the list short and anybody can contribute. Uh, anybody can sign on that they agree. We were just completely chuffed that you signed on after a pull <laughs> request to modify the language. That was amazing. Um, and so I, we've been getting a lot of feedback that people are actually using this now to kind of drive the strategy in their companies. Yeah, great, great. Thank you. The, 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 uh, one, one of the, around the same time, what, one of the other big wins that, that certainly amused me was that you got the, the inventor of GitFlow to admit that it was not compatible with continuous delivery. <laughs> so the other recommendation I have for people is if you're frustrated, uh, don't just rant, you know, have a beer or in my case, have a bourbon yeah. and then, and then go see if you can get people to fix it. Yeah. Uh, and that's what I did. I was just like, I had one, just one too many conversations with a tech lead who said that GitFlow is the only way to do delivery Yeah. Uh, and wanted our platform to support GitFlow. And so I just, I, I, I tweeted at Vincent, please fix this. <laughs> <laughs> that was great very and 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 uh atlassian changed their definition to say that gitflow wasn't wasn't the recommended practice the other, the other tip i have for you is to make sure and grow your external network because yeah. we left uh, tba and moved to atlassian i said alex we can fix the Atlassian. <laughs> <laughs> Right. One one more thing to add on, which which is which is maybe even funnier, is um, scaled agile DevOps. Yes, I, I am I am proud to be a scaled agile DevOps master facilitator. No accredited accredited facilitator. Accredited facilitator. I'm sorry, yeah. that's quite quite true. Sad AF. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> now that's that actually uh we were at the a dojo consortium like private you know, mini conference uh and we were talking about how can we push some of this information out to the community how do we open source the stuff that we're doing 
And we were listing all these ideas and things. And then at the end of it, I said, you know, what we really need is a scaling framework. And of course, everyone started throwing things at me because it's completely antithetical to where we were going. Uh, but then at dinner, Ross Clanton, who uh, founded the, the Target Dojo, we were sitting there and, and just out of nowhere, he said, scaled agile DevOps maturity framework. So you too can be a sad MF. <laughs> and, and, uh, and so I went home and registered those domains. Uh, <laughs> and it took me a couple of years to get around to it, but then, you know, we started building out content. Uh, and so it's, there's, there's things, everything in there is based off of something real that people are doing. Yeah. Uh, with the, with the addition that release trains aren't very agile because trains don't turn. So we have release <laughs> convoys. It's going to change direction. <laughs> so it's all nautically themed. It's, it's, it's very, very amusing. <laughs> And I've, I, I've, I've done I've done at least one YouTube. Uh, I should have worn it today, but I've I've done at least one YouTube video where I wore the T-shirt. <laughs> yeah, uh, that was that was amazing. Uh, I have had some people give me feedback that I really need to put a disclaimer on there that it's. Not... <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that I sure I'm sure that people read read it and think it's advice. Uh, I mean, my position on that is that if you work somewhere where they think that's real, you should immediately quit. <laughs> 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 I think I, 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 test for intelligence. So. Yeah, I, 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 I think I, I think on that note we should probably call a halt. Uh, it's been it's been lovely talking to you t today, and your experience of doing these things is so valuable and so interesting to learn from. And I'm sure that there's there's going to be lots of people that will have found it helpful. So so thanks again for for agreeing to do this today. No, it's a, it's a privilege. Thank you, Dave. I mean, all of us have got to be out there pushing or we're just not going to bring yeah. the industry forward. And uh, it's, I'm just honored to be part of the team. That's great. Thank you. Um, I will wrap up by saying thank you very much indeed for watching if you've got this far. And if you've enjoyed the contents and you aren't already, hit subscribe and hit like. Thanks again. And thanks once more to Equal Experts for sponsoring today's episode. Thank you.